Welcome to this evidence-based nursing podcast. I'm Dr. Joanna Smith, Senior Lecturer in Children's Nursing at the University of Huddersfield in the United Kingdom, and I'm one of the Associate Editors for Evidence-Based Nursing. I've got great pleasure in welcoming Dr. Nicholas Steckler from the Lewin Group, Washington. We will be discussing excessive weight gain in the first 18 months of life and its association with later childhood obesity and arterial wall thickness. And I wondered, Dr. Settler, if you could start by just introducing yourself and your current role to our listeners. Sure. My name is Nicolas Settler. I'm a pediatrician and an epidemiologist, and I work for the Lewin Group in uh, Falls Church, Virginia where I'm a managing consultant. You kindly um, have undertaken a commentary to us, and that will be the focus of the podcast. And I wondered if you could start just by outlining why you became interested in issues associated with weight gain, childhood obesity, and the impact of those on cardiovascular disease. I was working as a clinician, as a pediatrician. I got really interested in obesity because I felt that was one of the conditions that most affected children's quality of life. And there was really, uh, when I started, limited research looking into this. And with the increase in the prevalence of obesity, uh, the interest has increased. And in particular, one of my interests was in the prevention of obesity and specifically how sort of biological programming works in human and whether or not things that are occurring early in life can program the child to become uh, obese or overweight um, or have cardiovascular risk factor. Um, so in the beginning, there was a lot of literature on in utero programming and the problem with that is that it's very difficult to intervene with growth in utero. So I got more interested in the neonatal period where potentially there's more impact, uh, there's more possibility to impact growth and potentially programming of chronic disease later in life. So thinking about the study you reviewed, could you outline what you felt the strengths of the uh, research undertaken by Dr. Skilton and his colleagues was? Sure. So, so, so one of the strengths, I think, is the fact that in that study, they measured really early marker of atherosclerosis directly by doing ultrasound of the carotid and looking at the thickness of the atherosclerosis. They just didn't, they didn't look only at risk factor, but they also looked at actual evidence of atherosclerosis. Um, they were also able to follow the subject for eight years, which is a nice follow-up to look at programming. And they were able to adjust for several important confounding factors in their analysis. So those are the main strengths of the study. And is that not typical in the kind of work that had been done before? There's most uh, of the studies that have been published really look at risk factor. Very few are able to document differences in uh, um, ultrasound uh, demonstrated thickness of atherosclerosis. So this is novel. So actual direct measurements. Thinking 
thinking about their study, what do you think, if there were any, were the limitations of the study undertaken by Dr. Skilton and his colleagues? There were a few limitations, but I don't think those really impact the conclusion. One of them is that there was a loss of follow-up, about a third. They were able to track uh, only um, two-thirds of the children and lost about a third, a little more. So that's always sort of a concern in terms of validity. The other concern is that uh, this was a, a study that was performed to look at asthma risk. So the children were selected uh, for their uh, risk of asthma and not for the, the primary hypothesis. So that's also a concern in a sense that the finding may be applicable to those children, but not necessarily to children who don't have those risks for asthma. And lastly, they were not able to adjust for confounding factors such as family income, socioeconomic status, dietary and physical activity habits. So those are, I think, the main uh, limitation of this study. Okay, thank you very much for that. So if you have to think about the issues that were raised in the study and the importance of this topic area, what do you think were the most important findings of their study? So the, the primary finding is that the children who gained more fat during the first 18 months of life showed early signs of atherosclerosis at age 8 years. And uh, this is important because it suggests uh, that the possibility of uh, programming later in life. They also showed the same association with cardiovascular risk factors such as obesity, central fat distribution, systolic blood pressure, and systemic inflammation. And the last uh, important result that they found was that formula feeding was actually associated with an increased weight gain in the first 18 months of life which is one of the risk factors for later development of cardiovascular disease. Mm. Yes. If you think about those findings, they're important. How can those findings influence and have implications for practice? So, so the applications for practice are, are relatively limited because this is an observational study. So it really is not clear whether if you change the the exposure, the, the, the weight gain during the uh, first 18 months, whether it's going to change the outcome. So in order to know the answer to that, you would need to do different studies. So the implications are limited, but definitely those findings support the established principle that uh, it is important for infant to grow at an optimal rate and not maximal rate. Not every infant need to be at the 95th percentile uh, if they grow along their own percentile, um, that is the way to optimize growth rather than trying to reach a maximum. And then the, the third implication, which is sort of more general, is that infancy may really be a critical period for the development or prevention of long-term chronic disease, and it requires uh, particular attention and, and uh, care from the from the health system. Mm -hmm. So some of the limitations of the studies obviously impact on the application of the findings. So what would you suggest further research could focus on or what is needed in this important area of childhood obesity? 
So, so one of the uh, direction of research would be to do an intervention study to really demonstrate that this association is causal. So one would do a randomized controlled trial where uh, one group would receive usual care while the other would um, receive uh, recommendation and intervention in order to optimize weight gain and to prevent excessive weight gain. And that if this is uh, associated with a decrease in those cardiovascular risk factor or marker of atherosclerosis or obesity, then that would demonstrate the causality and would give some suggestion for prevention. The second thing is we know little how to influence weight gain in infancy, and I think more research is necessary to do that. We need to understand better the determinant, what uh, is associated with um, feeding, and how we can prevent excessive weight gain. And lastly, I think it's important to understand the physiology that could underline the programming of chronic disease during infancy. And Research is ongoing in all those three areas. Um, can I just ask you about interventions? Um, are, are interventions being developed, do you think, that have the potential to be effective that could um, easily be used in a randomized controlled trial, or do we need more information about interventions? I think the two are occurring in parallel. Uh, there are ongoing interventions right now that are based on what we already know about uh, weight gain during infancy. And at the same time, there's more research, such as qualitative research, to understand the determinant of infant feeding and what influence weight gain that are also occurring. So I think this is uh, uh, some building blocks that are moving forward in the same direction. So I suppose the, the two lots of research need to dovetail, don't they? Some trials about interventions, some um, qualitative data to influence interventions and then see how effective they are. Absolutely. I think this is the way things are going and should continue to go. So we're nearly at the end of this podcast. If the listeners were to take one key message away from this podcast, what would you say it would, should be? So I think the, the, the main message is that when it comes to infancy weight gain, the aim is really to have an optimal growth along the percentile that the infant is choosing rather than maximal weight gain. The notion of maximal weight gain is really based on uh, prevention of conditions that are no longer occurring in Western countries, such as infection or stenting. So I think in, in countries where those are not a significant public health problem, maximum weight gain or trying to get all the children at the 95th percentile is really something that is outdated and should, should change. Yes, I think that's a really good point. So to conclude then, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this podcast as much as I am, and this is certainly a topic that's not going to go away. And I'd like to thank Dr. Stettler for his interesting discussion and insights into childhood obesity. So thank you, Dr. Stettler. Thank you very much for your question and for inviting me. You're very welcome. 
So just to conclude, if you wish to contribute to discussions about this podcast, please access the Evidence-Based Nursing website at emb.bmj.com or tweet us at embnursingbmj. Thank you very much. <laughs>